You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. Well, as Kendall said, we are starting a new series in the book of Proverbs today. It's a short series, just six weeks, and so obviously we're not going to get to all of the 31 chapters that are in this book. Our aim is pretty simple, and it's simply to call attention to the importance of wisdom. That's what this book is about. It's about getting wisdom. And it's a fitting theme, because this is the time of year when we begin to think about the changes we want to make in our lives. We make New Year's resolutions. We start setting goals. We start dreaming about what we want to be different in our personal life, in our work, in our relationships. And as you know, um, Americans are really into this. We're really into making New Year's resolutions. And as you also know, we're really bad at keeping them. I mean, abysmally bad. The statistics never get better every year, every year. And we keep making them. And we keep not doing them. And that's just become part of our culture, to make New Year's resolutions, not to do them. But there's a reason for that. There's a reason that we keep thinking we're going to do it, but we don't. There's probably lots of reasons, but but the main reason, I think, has to do with the fact that that we're usually not thinking deeply enough about our lives. We tend to settle for information over um, true knowledge, experiential firsthand knowledge. Uh, We tend to settle for just sort of tweaks in our behavior over deep character formation You see, the problem is not that our resolutions are too lofty and therefore we don't attain them. That's not the problem. The problem is is that they're too low. We're not aiming high enough. Uh, In 1 Kings 3, we read about King Solomon, and this is uh, King David's son who wrote the Proverbs. And God comes to Solomon in a dream and asks him, what do you want? God says, just tell me what I should give you. And so Solomon can, can have anything he wants. Like anything that God can do, which is everything, he can have it. Solomon could ask to lose 15 pounds this year. He could ask to like make a little more money. He could ask to get some more recognition at work already. He could ask for any of those things, all of them. But you know what he asks for? He asks for Wisdom. I think if God asked us, what do you want in 2018? You can have anything. I think most of us would probably aim too low. I think I would. I look at my past track record. I can see, yeah, I'm aiming pretty low in life. And the reason is, is too often I think we're just dealing on the surface of our lives. But wisdom gets to the heart. Wisdom's not just about tweaking the appearances and the things that people see. It gets deep into the heart of who we are. The heart is the fountainhead of our thoughts and our actions and behaviors. So all the stuff that we typically want, you know, better health, better finances, better productivity, better habits, all that stuff is is fine and good. But at the heart of all that stuff, what's underneath all that stuff is a heart of wisdom. And that's why we're looking at the book of Proverbs, because that's what we really want is a heart of wisdom. A couple things about reading the Proverbs. Uh, The Proverbs deal with probabilities, not promises. So this is the collective wisdom of a community of people who have made observations over generations of time, and because of that can just sort of see connections and how things work, and they're basically saying this is how things generally work. Like, generally speaking, laziness leads to poverty and ruin. 
And generally speaking, diligent people get what they want, they have security and and well-being. Of course, there are exceptions to that. that, That's the point. The Proverbs deal with generalities, general rules, not the exceptions. Uh, The other thing that's important in the Proverbs is to realize that this isn't just like an impersonal collection of wise sayings from people who are dead now. What the Proverbs present to us is a living God who created the world and who reigns over it sovereignly. And so as we come to the Proverbs, we come to this God. In other words, we don't trust in wisdom to make our life better. We trust in the Lord of wisdom. We're seeking him. When Solomon asked God for wisdom, the text says, it pleased the Lord that Solomon asked for this. God said, Solomon, you could have asked for lots of things. You could have asked for long life. Uh, You could have asked for riches. You could have asked for the defeat of your enemies, but you didn't. You asked for wisdom. And why did that please the Lord? Because Solomon aimed high. He asked for the best thing. God. Later in life, we'll see in this book, Solomon would affirm that reality over and over and over again, that to get God is better than getting anything else. In chapter 3, he says, happy is the one who finds wisdom. In chapter 19, he says, he who gets wisdom loves himself. In other words, hey, do yourself a favor this year. Get some wisdom. Chapter 8 says, he who finds wisdom finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. In chapter 16, he says, to get wisdom is better than gold. To get understanding is better than getting silver. It's better than riches. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look into various areas of life, and we're going to see what what Solomon has to say, what God's wisdom says to those areas of life. Uh, Today, though, my goal is just really simple, and that is to motivate us to want to do that, to motivate us to get wisdom. The first nine chapters of this book are really aimed at that very simple goal, just to get our attention and motivate us and convince us at a deep level that we want wisdom. And if we don't walk in wisdom, we're going to walk in paths that lead to destruction and death. The stakes are really high. And so we need to be motivated to get wisdom. That's our aim today. So three questions. What is wisdom? What keeps us from getting it? And how do we get it? What is wisdom? That's our first question. Uh, I think we often associate wisdom with good advice. So when someone listens to you and they have something, some kind of insight into your life and they give you good counsel, you say, that's a really wise person. And that's true. That's, that's an expression of wisdom. But wisdom is much more than that. Wisdom's more than good advice. Wisdom is like where good advice comes from. Uh, the Hebrew word for wisdom is chokmah. I don't normally say the original language. I just like saying that word. It's like salsa. Chokmah. It's fun to say. You could just try it. Chokmah. It's fun. Uh, Chokmah is is the wisdom of God, and it's this really deep, uh, robust word that's just hard to to translate in English, but we translate it wisdom. Uh, Chokmah is the place where good decisions and good advice and good choices and justice and righteousness comes from. Uh, it's like a force that's in the world that you can't see. At the same time, you can't escape it. But, it. but get Star Wars out of your head. It's not like that. It's a personal thing. 
Chokmah is actually an attribute of God that he used to create the world. And you see that in Proverbs 8. Wisdom says, before God made the heavens, I was there. When God marked out the foundations of the earth, I was there right beside him and I was his delight. And so God created the universe with wisdom and it's, it's woven into the fabric of things. And so wherever you see people making good decisions, giving good advice, acting with justice and righteousness, whether they know it or not, they're tapping into the wisdom of God that is just part of reality. When we, uh, when we say that someone has business savvy, we mean that she understands how things in the business world work and she knows how to accordingly get things done in that world. That's wisdom. It's shrewd, strategic foresight and planning. It's an aspect of wisdom. Sometimes we'll say of a football coach, man, he's got a great football mind. He might be just totally dumb and everything else, but when it comes to football, he's got a great football mind. And what we mean is that he understands the game. Not just in theory, but through vast amounts of exposure and firsthand experience in the game of football. It's just in him. Uh, you think of a guy like Bill Belichick who coaches the Patriots. People say this all the time, that he just seems to always be one step ahead. He just always knows the right thing to do and when to do it. That's wisdom. It, it's this internalized knowledge that we can apply in all kinds of situations on the fly. That's wisdom. Uh, we have some really amazing artists in our church. I don't know if you knew that. They kind of hide from us, but you can find their art online. And I did that recently. I was looking at some of their paintings, and it's legit. I mean, it's not just because I know them. It's like actually really good, objectively, if you can say that about art. Uh, when I look at it, I'm just blown away. I'm like, man, how did they get that image in their head? Like, where did that come from? And how did they get that image that was in their head onto that canvas with such elegance and beauty? Like, I just... All I can do is step back and just admire their skill. That's wisdom. Skillful expertise is wisdom. These are all aspects of chokmah. Now, when we come to the Proverbs, we're talking about skill in living. Like living good lives, skillful lives, which is to say that we understand how God has made the world, how things really work in God's kingdom, and that we act accordingly so that our lives produce um, fruitfulness and peace and joy. They produce value for the world around us. So I want to just look at some of these words in chapter 1. Open, open up to Proverbs 1. It gives us kind of the purpose of this book, but it gives us all of these um, terms that are kind of synonymous or co-referential with the word wisdom that help us understand this a little, a little better. Proverbs 1, verse 2. He begins and he says, look, I've written these things so that, so that you can know wisdom and instruction. And the word know in Scripture is almost always this um, intimate knowledge. Knowledge from experience, first chair, sort of been there, done that kind of knowledge. And so what he's saying is that we are to open ourselves up to the wisdom in this book. We're to let it get inside of us so that it becomes part of who we are in all of our daily life choices and decisions. Then he says, to understand words of insight. When you start reading the Proverbs, you can get a little lost. 
I mean, it's like, okay, this all sounds pretty cool, but it's like reading fortune cookies sometimes. I don't know what the heck it's saying. It sounds good. I just don't understand it. I don't get what this is doing. And then sometimes it makes sense. You're like, I got that. And then like a chapter later, you read a verse that seems to totally contradict with the thing that you thought made sense. Like, ah! All right, the Proverbs are hard. And he admits that. Like in verse six, he says, look, I'm, I'm writing these so that you can learn to understand this stuff, the wise sayings and the riddles. All right, he admits that there's some riddles in here. It's hard. But, but that's the point, is that we are to study and to meditate on these things until we understand them. It's not easy. I was in a seminary class one time with Dr. Hannah, who's uh, one of the wisest people I've probably ever been around. And he has all these little sort of proverbial sayings, um, which is what wise people have, I guess. And uh, anyway, he's talking about a book by Jonathan Edwards, a very difficult book to read. Uh, just dense, the language was hard, and, but he's recommending it to the class. And one of the students in the class raises his hand, and you could just feel like this is not, you, this is going to go bad. And he raises his hand, he's like, um, Dr. Hannah, did you know, which is, that's a terrible way to start a sentence with Dr. Hannah. Of course he knows, he's Dr. Hannah, he's like the Yoda and so Dr. Hannah patiently listens to the question. He's like, did you know there's a, a, there's a recent book out that's sort of an abridged version, a modernized version that's easier to read of, of Edward's book? And uh, Dr. Hannah just kind of looked around the class and he looked back at that, that lad and he said, well, the cookies aren't on the lower shelf. And then he just went on with his lecture. That's what Solomon's saying. Hey, the cookies of wisdom, they're not, you're not going to get it the first time. You've got to understand these words of insight, and this will help you do it. Verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. This instruction in Proverbs is like parental discipline or training. Uh, and the idea is that if we submit ourselves to this instruction, we will learn how to live prudent, shrewd, cunning in a good way, um, wise lives skillful in the ways of God. Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to youth. So the simple in the Proverbs is a word that's used for just young people uh, who are maybe naive or just who have not experienced enough life to kind of know how things really work. Now, I know that you're thinking that's not you because in our church, the age spectrum gets real skewed. Like if you're 28, it's like you've been around a while. I'm 42 and you think that's really old, but it's not. It's not that old actually. And so you're probably more the simple than you would like to admit. And in fact, getting wisdom is going to require you to admit that that's probably where you are. When Solomon wrote this to his son, his son was probably around 30. And so just, I'm curious, how many of you are 30 or under? Yeah, okay. So this is for to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Even those of us who are old still need this. And that's what he says in verse 5 and 6. He says, look, here's the beauty of this stuff. If you read this, the wise get wiser. They get guidance. In other words, they learn to be self-teachers and they learn to lead others in wisdom. So we all need this. All of these terms, uh, knowledge, insight, prudence, discretion, this is all part of what wisdom is and how it can be used to make a, a beautiful life for you and for others. And so I, I would put it this way, I guess. Wisdom is, is the place where goodness and justice and righteousness comes from. It's like 
a deep eternal spring. Right? So if the water that springs forth is good advice and justice and equity, then those things come from this deep eternal spring. And all who drink of that spring gain wisdom and they become a blessing to the community around them. Jesus is the model of this wisdom, not only in his teaching, but just in how he actually lives his life. Uh, If you just will read through the Gospels and just pay attention to how he interacts with people, it changes all the time, but it changes because of wisdom. So when he's with people who are hurting, who are poor in spirit, who need him, he is tender and merciful and kind and gracious. He doesn't ever belittle people for what they don't know or what they've been through. He meets them right where they are. But when the religious leaders come into that party and they start accusing him or trying to trap him, you see a different side of Jesus. You see this very shrewd businessman. This guy who knows how to not say what he doesn't need to say and to say only what he needs to say. And, so, and, and people are always marveling at the way that he answers them. See, that's wisdom. It's, it's knowing what to do, when to do it. And Jesus is that in spades. He came, he said, to bring life. So Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life abundantly. He said, I came that you might have joy. I came that your joy might be complete. And so what he's saying in that is, I came that you might learn how to live according to God's ways, that you might learn how to live in wisdom because he who finds wisdom is happy. He has joy. He has real life. And so in John 7, Jesus says, hey, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, in him, will, become, will flow a spring of water that will flow through his life. Do you see that the image that he's giving? Chokmah will get deep inside of you and it will spring forth. You'll be a wise person. One of the things that, we, uh, that I see in, in my kids and in their friends, and, and you too, I guess, uh, is, is FOMO, just the fear of missing out. It's, a, it's like plaguing our country because we have all of these choices, we have all of these options all the time, and so we're paralyzed by it. And we're paralyzed because we think if we choose this, it means we might have given up on some other better choice. I'll just shoot straight with you. I see this with you guys. Like you will not get it in your mind that maybe God wants you to like commit to a woman because you think if you commit to a woman, there'll be all these other women that you were supposed to have. Let me just, here's some wisdom for you. Once you commit to a woman, that's the one. You don't have to think about it anymore. That's the one God has for you. And so that would just begin by asking a girl out and going on some dates, but we'll do that another time. Okay. Um, the whole heart, the whole fear with missing out is that there, there might be something better. This is the good news. If you choose wisdom, you never miss out. Because it is the best thing. It is the highest aim. Because to get wisdom is to get God. I have a friend whose uh, son was in college. And he said, yeah, I will, I'll call my son like on Monday. And I'll say, hey, uh, let's go golfing on Saturday. I'll come down there and we'll go to a, the best course. And uh, it's on me. We'll get a good meal. We'll go golfing. We'll spend the day together. It's like an ideal day for a college student. It's a good deal if you like golf. And he said, my son, every single time will say, oh, that sounds awesome, Dad. Uh, why don't you, can you like call me on Friday and let's, let's take it from there. Let's like play by ear. And the dad's always like, no, you can commit to that right now or we're not doing it. And, and the son is thinking, that sounds awesome. It's really good. But what if something better comes up? He was always worried that something better would come up. You see, God 
and uh, the Proverbs sort of personify wisdom as this lady who cries out to the simple. And God is calling out, crying out to you, saying, hey, let's, let's spend the day together. Let's spend some time together. I'll give you wisdom. I'll teach you how to live life. And we're like, um, well, that sounds cool, but okay, can we touch base later on that? Like, let's see how things work out. I've got some plans. And if that doesn't work out, then we'll get, can we get back together and do that thing? What? The fool keeps his options open. The wise go all in with God and never think twice. That's what the Proverbs say. All right, wisdom is skillful living. Something that we all want. And so what keeps us from it? What keeps us from getting wisdom? That's kind of a mysterious question because it's not like God's hiding it. James says, hey, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously and without reproach. Like he doesn't bring up all the bad stuff you've done as a condition of getting wisdom. No, he just, he gives it to you if you ask. And so if, if it's accessible and if God's so generous with it, then why aren't, why aren't we getting it? What's keeping us from it? Well, the thing about wisdom is that it only comes to those who want it above all else. In other words, getting wisdom is not like a hobby, a weekend deal. It's not like a side gig. It's got to be everything. And Proverbs 2, verse 5 says, Seek it like silver. Search for it as if you are searching for hidden treasures. Meaning it's got to be all-consuming. Proverbs 4, 7 puts it pretty plainly, I think. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. <laughs> and whatever you get, get insight. How do you get wisdom? Get it. That's what the Proverbs is saying. What do you mean get it? Get it. Decide. Intend. There is a determination of the will, an intention of the will that says, I'm going to get that. Get it. This is the reason we fail at so many of our New Year's resolutions. It's because we make goals talk about goals, we buy an app for the goal. That's all very different than doing the things that accomplish the goal. Right? We, we never set our will to do those things as if there are no other options. We always leave open the option not to do it. That's kind of the spirit of New Year's resolutions. So when barriers come up, which they'll come up about like January 5th, I think, we, just, we don't have the willpower or the determination, or the faith sometimes, to overcome those barriers. And so when it comes to getting wisdom, what are the barriers to getting wisdom? Uh, You'll see these all throughout the book of Proverbs. Let me just touch on a few things. I'm going to do it really briefly. Here's what I want you to do. As I walk through this list of barriers, I just want you to try to identify which one resonates with you. Like, which one of these feels most pressing in your life? Like, yeah, that's, if I'm not going to get wisdom next year, that's going to be the reason why. Try to, try to get that. <clears throat> we have all of them, but uh, maybe one resonates. Uh, the first and the main barrier in Proverbs is just pride. And so throughout this book, the wise are contrasted with the fool. And the fool is defined as someone who is wise in his own eyes. Meaning he, he is only concerned with what he thinks and what he wants. And so he is not open to correction. He is not open to training or rebuke. 
uh, he, he, he only wants to do what kind of feels right at the moment, what feels good at the moment. He's, he's governed by his passions. And so um, he's defensive and he's dismissive toward authority. And you can see why that doesn't work because Proverbs 1.7 says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. See, now right there, some of you are thinking, wait, you just said the beginning of wisdom is to get wisdom. That contradicts, no, it's both. If you fear the Lord, you'll get wisdom. These go together. To fear the Lord means that you, you understand your place in the world. You understand that you don't decide what's reality, what's good and true, or what's evil and false. God decides that. He's the creator. And so you submit yourself to that reality, which is real reality, and you act accordingly. You, you bet your life on the fact that this is how things work, and you obey God's ways because you believe that really will produce the kind of life that you want. Uh, to fear God is not to be afraid of him in the way that we think about it. It's to be afraid of not having him. It's to be afraid of wandering from him and walking down the path of fools. And so there's this awe and there's this reverence and this submission and, and this deep personal trust wrapped up in fear. And if you're proud, you just won't do that. There's no fear of the Lord in the proud heart. The second thing is laziness or desire to comfort. Now, getting wisdom takes effort. You have to be disciplined in learning and applying what you learn. It just, uh, it's hard work. And because a fool's governed by his passions, he's not willing to put in the work. Like he, like he talks about the things he wants to be and do, but he doesn't do the work to get there. And see, God has so ordained and so ordered the world so that it works this way. You get what you want only through sacrifice. You've got to do work. And, and that's the gospel. Hebrews says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, for the thing that he wanted and longed for, endured the cross, despising its shame. And then he exhorts us to not grow faint-hearted or weary, but to endure Laziness will keep you from wisdom. The third one is like that. It's impatience. Because wisdom doesn't just take effort, it takes time. Lots of time. Uh, We're living in a culture that has made us addicted to quick fixes, instant solutions, techniques, and wisdom's just not like that. Wisdom is the formation of deep character, and that takes time. The metaphor throughout this book is that God makes straight our paths. It means to, it's like to be walking along a path. And so we get wisdom by walking, not by running. You can run faster, but, but you can't go as far. You can walk much further than you can run. It's just slower, and that's the point. Wisdom has to do with paying attention to the little things in daily life. It's the little choices in your everyday life that form you to become the kind of person who can make the big choices with wisdom. We just got to be patient in the little things. Here's the last one, distraction. So many distractions in our world, but let me just call your attention to one thing, and it has to do with the simple. Uh, the simple, the young and the naive in this book, their, their downfall is that they're easily distracted by the crowds, by popular opinion, by what people are doing, what people think of them especially. And so the simple will have spurts of like genuine desire to follow God, but then they kind of get distracted in what people think about them. They get distracted in the popular opinion and what's, what's like cool and not cool. 
And listen, if, if you are concerned with what's cool and not cool, if you're concerned, overly concerned with what people around you think about you, you never get wisdom. You'll constantly just be distracted by that. This is what Proverbs 4, verse 25 says, Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, that all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. You see what he's saying? There is a focused attention. There is a fight to keep God at the center of your attention. That's how you get wisdom. So just ask yourself, how do you feel about these things? How do you feel about correction and discipline? What's your view of authority? How do you feel about making huge sacrifices that won't pay off for a long time? See, wherever you feel resistant or overwhelmed by any of these things, that's, that's most likely the barrier that's going to get you. That's what's going to keep you from getting wisdom. The word get and get wisdom means to buy or to purchase. And the implication is that it comes at great cost. The cost is everything we have. To be a Christian means that we give our life, our whole life to God. We give up everything and we get Jesus. Jesus told a parable along these lines. He said, you know, there was a guy who found a field and in this old field, he found a treasure buried in there and so he covered it up. He went and sold everything he had and came back and bought the field. With great joy and gladness, he did this. That's what the kingdom of God is like, he said. Well, well, why did a guy sell everything he had with such gladness and joy? Because of the treasure. See, Paul says that Jesus is the wisdom of God. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so sell everything you've got. Give up everything. There's no sacrifice too great because you get him. How how do you know you'll get him? Like, really? Well, We know we'll get him because God went first in this deal. God bought us before we bought him. He bought us with the precious blood of his son. In other words, he gave up his whole life for us so that we could have him. That's how we know. God has, he's removed the greatest barrier. And therefore, he is eager and willing to help us with all of the other little things if we will trust him. Here's the last thing, and I'll be really brief. After we've kind of wrestled with these barriers, we do have to take positive action. Like, okay, what do we do? How do we get wisdom? And this book gives us lots of means to do that, to acquire wisdom. Community, prayer, reflection, discipline, suffering. These are all means by which we can acquire and get wisdom. But above all these... The way to get wisdom is to listen to God. Uh, chapter 2, verse 5. This is the verse that said to seek it like silver, to, to search for it like you're searching for hidden treasures. But then right after that verse, it gives us the reason to do that. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. And so notice, there's this generous God who is storing up wisdom for any who would seek it. And how does it come to them? By his mouth, 
from his mouth. His wisdom is conveyed primarily through his words. And so the way that we get wisdom above all else is to be attentive to, to listen to his words. So the very first thing for us is that we would give ourselves to his words. We can begin in the Proverbs even. That's part of his words, but, but it would expand to the whole thing. See, every year Christians decide they're going to read the Bible this year, like for real. And then they get to Leviticus and then they're out. And so they come up with a new plan and they find out Leviticus wasn't the real problem. The real problem was them. They just couldn't stick with it. And, and um, look, if all you did was just read the Bible for no good reason other than I told you to, it would actually benefit you a great deal. It would take a lot of time. You'd probably have to read it every year for five years and then you would start to see it really taking, changing your life. That's a long time. Yeah, I already said that. It takes time. But there's a way to approach the Bible that isn't so dutiful, right? Like when I was young, I used to have this, um, I used to have this like topic, list of topics with like verse references beside them, and I never read the Bible, but then when I needed something, like when I was conflicted or confused about something, I would go to that thing and I would find the topic and the appropriate verse and read it and be like, okay, God, tell me what to do. I treated it like a reference book. That's not how the Bible works. God is gracious, and in those moments, he helped me, and he may help you because he's good. But the way the Bible works is that we get in it so much that it gets inside of us. Like, we're not just looking for bits of truth or instruction. We're looking for God in the scriptures, his character, the nuances of how how he works among his people, of what he's doing in the world. When God gets inside of us, then we've got this deep spring that just flows naturally. Wisdom comes out from us without us even thinking about it. Isn't that the life we want? As we internalize these things, we begin to meet these choices and these complexities and all these options of daily life that the Bible doesn't speak directly to. They're not on the topics list. Should I move to Dallas to take that job? It's just, it's not in here. I get to ask that question all the time. And I'm like, well, if this is the first time you're seeking God over something, this is going to be really difficult because you didn't make the little choices to, to figure out how to become the kind of person who can make this choice, but let's, let's work on this together. God's good. The answer is no. You should not move to Dallas, by the way. <laughs> if you want to be a wise person, you've got to spend time with God. You've got to search out this book like you're digging for treasure. And the good news is that all who seek find so here's a simple challenge. I told you it would be simple. I'm leaving you with this. In the, in the month of January, can we as a church just read the book of Proverbs? It works out quite nicely because there's 31 days in January. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. Read one chapter a day. Will you understand it? Um, some of it. Yeah. So just read it. Try to dig into the stuff that sounds interesting. Get your community around. Talk about it. Look up. Mm, be careful about looking up stuff on the internet, but maybe try to find some help to figure out what's going on here. We'll be preaching through it together, so we'll get some insight in that way. But just every day, read a chapter and ask God to give you a heart of wisdom. Can we commit to that together? Okay. Let me leave you with this. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. Let's pray.
Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.